Hello, and welcome to the Global Trading Podcast. I'm Terry Flanagan, editor of Global Trading. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined by Thomas Kim. Thomas is CEO of Infusion. Infusion provides a cloud-based software and analytics platform for investment managers. Thomas, welcome. Good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Terry. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. So, so we're talking, the topic today is tech debt. But before we get into the topic, if I could just ask you, say for a listener who may not be familiar with Infusion, can you briefly give a brief thumbnail kind of history of the company and describe the company and its mission? Sure. So Infusion is the only cloud-native, front-middle-back software-as-a-service offering for the investment management community. It delivers everything from the order management system, the execution management system, the portfolio management system, and accounting, not as disparate systems, but as one system utilizing one database, which allows for extremely simplified workflows across the CIO, CFO, CO, portfolio manager, traders, and operations folks to be able to navigate through the platform in such a way that allows them to focus on the things that matter most. We have a global footprint across the world, with over 600 clients, and we're seeing incredible adoption as a result of where the market is going as it relates to wanting to simplify really their capabilities to be able to better inform their investment decisions as a result of that simplification. Okay. Thank you for that. Now, now let's, let's set some some definitions here or set a definition, you know, as a, as a lay person, when I hear tech debt, I might think of technology companies, bonds and loans outstanding, but we're not talking about that. So what is tech debt from, from your seat? What does it mean? And, and why is it important? So tech debt to me is, is effectively the cost of legacy systems that companies are plagued with as a result of not being able to evolve the, the technology into next generation or more capable systems that achieve the goal. Tech debt is effectively you know, technology that goes stale. And as a result, dollars that need to go into maintaining those things without necessarily adding any value in innovation. Uh, that's required for you know most, if not all, investment managers as their business needs change. And so that debt is something that continuously gets maintained without the right kind of return uh, as a result of that investment. Okay, and you you touched on this, but but what are the the costs or the cost or the opportunity costs for? asset managers who, who are plagued with this tech debt situation? How I would think about it is as technology goes stale, so do the talent available to be able to support those things. And the need to basically throw more dollars by finding scarce resources that can maintain that legacy stack to begin with, um, having to pay more to have people incented to want to stay working on things that uh, that are less relevant from a technology innovation perspective, you know the need to band aid brittle 
outcomes as a result of all these things crashing in at the same time, it's effectively a, a, a terrible cycle where the longer you hold on to these legacy technologies, the more expensive it gets to be able to support and maintain them through time. Kind of like when you think about a, a vintage car, as a car continues to get older and older, the parts to try and maintain that car becomes difficult to find and more expensive. And when things break down, it has more catastrophic impact as a result of it. So that's sort of how I would look at it. And it's surprising how that's a, a normal state for certainly more established and larger hedge funds and, and investment managers across the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, from, from the, the number I saw from the Infusion Research paper, an estimated 80% of asset management technology budgets goes to just keeping the lights on. Has it always been like this? And, and how did it get to this? Because that 80% sounds like a very unsustainably high number. Yet it's being sustained for you know decades, right? And, and the number keeps going up. So I suspect that this has always been the case from the perspective of in the beginning, there were people creating proprietary solutions that met or you know still meet at some level the basics of what investment managers need. And as the reliance on those proprietary systems, whether if it's just a, a very complex Excel, Excel macro, there's these investments that were being made in the early days to have these macros or these Excel spreadsheets bend to be able to fulfill certain responsibilities that uh, investment managers needed. That eventually evolved as the electronification of the capital markets evolved to now vendors providing widgets that that fulfilled some of these responsibilities in a much more reliable way. And then that kept evolving. Now, you either evolve along with it or you don't. And most haven't as a result of how difficult it is to evolve, meaning, you know, taking systems and relying on the vendors to evolve those things to a level where it's relevant and keeping up with the standards of technology and innovation, or moving off of those things to more relevant and capable partners, technology partners who can deliver those things in a meaningful way and evolve through time. So historically, this has been a great deal of pain for investment managers, both from a changing their workflows perspective to actually implementing something to upgrading to the overall things not working and so converting. These have been very difficult things that the investment management community has found difficulty trying to overcome. And now with the capabilities of cloud native, it has basically appended all of that and given the investment management community a different way to receive these things that Historically, they have not been able to do. And so what has happened up to date has been people not wanting or can't move off of these things. And so they end up having to throw more money into it, build around it. And every time they continue to make investments around these things and build around it, they're propagating this inability to move off of it. And so you can imagine years of basically doing more and more and more of that naturally what's happened is that you've created a Frankenstein stack that becomes untenable, yet you need that because they're mission critical. And so you have no choice 
but to continue throwing dollars to maintain your status quo, because without it, that has a great deal of business impact. Right, right, right. Sounds kind of like the old expression, throwing good money after bad. Absolutely. And it's not, and it's not entirely their fault in the sense that, that the investment managers are doing what they must do, which is stabilize and maintain the operations so that the business people can achieve their goals. Where I think this has fallen short has been more on the investment technology, the vendor community outside of it, who historically have been so fixated on different things that they also have not been innovating to relieve this evolution that the investment managers need to go through that forced them to basically stay put or build it themselves. And I think that's changing now. And we're very happy, you know, as Infusion as being you know, in the in the curve where we're actually providing an ability for investment managers to reimagine how they can look at these things as a result of how easy we've made it for them to convert. Right, right. Okay. Now, is, is there any reason to think that this problem is either singular or especially acute to, to investment management or, you know, has the rise of cloud computing technologies brought the same dynamic to, to, to other industries? It's rampant across every industry, and you can see it in the payment space. You can see it in the as a result of whether it's cryptocurrency or or digital cash. You know, it's you can see it everywhere in the supply manufacturing industry. Like everyone is undergoing a transformation of some sort around how technology can better alleviate workflows that have become overbearing as a result of just older technology. And so the investment management community in capital markets is not, it is not an immune to any of that. I think everyone's going through the same things. That said, I think the investment management community is probably in the back of the line in terms of the types of innovation and progress that they've made in relieving themselves of some of this tech debt and relying on innovation to really help reshape how they think about their businesses, but it's happening. I think that we're sort of at a once in a generation sort of a period of time within the capital markets where, where all of these things, technology, the market shifts, the demands from both the buy side and the sell side, they're all kind of crashing at the same time where everyone is basically saying, stop, this has become untenable. It doesn't need to be this hard. There is, to use your words, good money being thrown out, that's not generating the type of return that we would expect. And so all these things are kind of coming crashing down at the same time, which is refreshing because when people are forced to basically pick their heads up and look around and think about how can I do this better? How can I reimagine this? It fuels ideas and sparks change that I think the the capital markets more broadly is is embracing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, as, as we discussed, 80% of asset management technology budgets going to keeping the lights on is a very high number, but you know, I would imagine that number is never going to be zero. What do you think is an, an acceptable or ideal estimate or range, uh, say, once you do have the, the best, most current, most flexible technology what sort of percent of your tech budget will be going to keeping the lights on? I imagine it's dram- dramatically lower than 80, but, but more than zero. That's a, that's a great question, Harry. Ultimately, 
that's up to each investment manager for them to decide relative to what goals they're trying to achieve and how things are working for them or not working for them or how painful their management of their systems are relative to you know, the changes that they require every single day. So ultimately, that's up to them. But if I'm an investment manager trying to look at sort of, you know, my P&L, my return on my investment for my investors, I'm thinking I want, I want to put my dollars to maximal use where every dollar that I put into anything, any investment that I make, that I'm getting an outsized return to reflect that investment. And whether it's, it's you know, a big number or a little number, I think it's ultimately up to the investment managers. But I think the goal should be drive that tech debt, you know, that amount that I need to throw into just maintaining my status quo down to as minimal as possible, whatever that is, and then allocate dollars to things that, that are innovative that drive my ability to find alpha, whether it's passive, smart, active, however you want to classify it. And so, so we are all in the business in the capital markets to generate value. Um, we're not in the business to, to generate status quo or to throw good money or, you know, to something that doesn't have value. So a long-winded way of saying, I think the goal should be to drive that thing down to as minimal as possible. And then it's up to each individual investment manager's current disposition to figure out what, what that level is relative to what their demands and needs are. Okay. Okay. If I can tie this all up, tie this conversation up in, in one kind of climactic question. If I were a, say, investment manager and came to you and said, Thomas, we're hooked on these quick fixes. We're always doing band-aids and bubble gum with our technology patchwork, uh, short-term fixes. How do we break this cycle? And once the cycle is broken, what's, what's it going to mean for me? Well, I think the first thing is that you have to recognize and realize and admit that there is a better way of, of doing things. And you have to, you have to force the mandate that, that I, I'm looking for different type of relationship with technology where it's helping the business, you know, a type of technology that is pliable and nimble so that as the business continues to change, I can rapidly adjust and play with my technology in order to grow with those changes. And so I think that's ultimately critical to first decide that that's the case. And then I would say, pick the right technology partners with relevant technologies with similar vision in terms of how they can, in fact, help solve those problems versus just going out and looking for a particular widget that may solve just a particular instance. You eventually get to that, but you do need a technology partner that can help you navigate through that and be that partner because it's always, that's the nature of technology and the nature of tech debt. You're either evolving with technology around you to solve your business needs or you're not. And the moment that you stop for long periods of time is when you get stuck in having to basically upgrade to something that, that brings you back to a bit of standard. Now, this isn't a thing that has to happen every month or every year or what have you. But it is something that happens and having the right technology partner to help you navigate through that and work with you, I think is critical. And then from there, you can, you know, I I would suggest finding 
the areas that have the biggest pain and focusing obviously on those things and, and working to, to, to adjust those things with, with now your technology partners at hand. That's sort of how I would look at it at the high level. You can get very granular in some of these things, and I'm happy to do that. But I think, you know, at, at that highest level, that's sort of how I would look at it. Okay. Okay, I think we can we can leave it there. Thomas, I want to uh, thank you for coming on. It's been a very interesting and informative discussion. Thanks, thanks much for, for joining us. No, thank you for having me. It's been great. This has been the Global Trading Podcast. I'm Terry Flanagan, editor of Global Trading. My guest today was Thomas Kim, CEO of Infusion.